0: Welcome to the Noble Lake Podcast, Ape Reality. I'm Tom Barbalay, and today I have the real luxury of talking with Bob Mottram. Hello, Bob. Hello, Tom. It's wonderful to be able to talk with you, and I brought you on because I wanted to uh, have some kind of code review associated with the breadth of changes that you put in, but particularly with the universe directory. So for yes. folks listening in who want to read along with the, uh, the code, uh, we're doing it with the 0.692 version. But Bob, I'll, I'll throw it over to you, and you can, you can start the walkthrough.
1: Probably the best place to start uh, would be uh, universe.h, uh, which gives you some of the structures involved. If you scroll down to, in the region of noble being... Around line 367 is where it starts. There's quite a few uh, if-def's here, uh, and this is where I've mostly made additions. So you've got things like parasites, uh, honor value, and so on. Now I can go into a bit more detail about what those mean and what they what they refer to. You can probably see that that is fairly expanded compared to what it was in previous versions. So if we start at the beginning, I suppose, um, If you have a look at uh, Parasites on, Parasites underscore on, uh, under there we've got a a couple of n-byte values. Uh, The first one is um, Parasites. Now this just refers to a number of parasites which the ape can carry. Uh, And the the idea behind this is really just to uh, add a little bit more interest and have a bit of um, maybe a bit of uh, symbiosis going on between uh, a sort of uh, Parasite and host relationship. So parasites will consume a certain amount of the ape's energy over time, and all this uh, by value refers to is just to like a, a, a number of parasites which are, which are attached to and growing on on the ape. The honor value is also associated with uh, with parasites in that apes can acquire uh, honor, which is a kind of social status you can think of, by grooming each other and uh, getting rid of parasites. Uh, there's also the possibility for parasites to hop between apes if they're sufficiently close together. Uh, that's The actual code for that is covered social. So if you go to social.c, do a search for parasites on. Uh, i have got a routine here called um, social underscore groom, line 354. Uh, this is the uh, the grooming part where we're actually getting rid of parasites. Uh, you can see under lines 367, it's just checking whether the number of parasites on got, uh, uh, within the parameters for social grouping You've got two beings which are close together, uh, the distance they are apart, uh, whether they're awake or asleep, level of familiarity, and just to point to the simulation object. Uh, going back to 367, if the number of parasites hasn't reached its maximum for the byte value, uh, we just calculate a probability paraprompt. Which is just a random number, and if it's less than a certain calculated amount related to the environment and um, breed, then we just add a, a new parasite. Now, it should be noted that I think um, in order to to be able to do that, the in order to, for a social group to be called, the, the apes B0 and B1 already need to be pretty close together. So that check is done elsewhere. I then go down to. The, further down to 376, this is where the, the uh, energy of the ape is, is sapped by parasites. So you can see that the number of parasites on B0 uh, is then just multiplied by some cost value, some energy cost, and I get subtracted from the, the energy for that being. Uh, and I, and I've, as I've mentioned before, parasites can also be transmitted between apes. So you can see at line 378, if the distance between apes is quite small, less than 3 in this case, and the adjacent ape doesn't have its parasites' value saturated, so it's below 255. then the ape, then, a parasite can hop from B0 to B1. So we just increment the number of parasites on ape B1 and decrement the value on B0. Uh, In this way, parasites can kind of move around in the population, be a little bit mobile. The parasites themselves aren't aren't modelled in any more detail than that. Potentially, they could have their own metabolism and uh, genetics and so on. But just as an initial idea, just to keep things simple, uh, and yet still add a little bit of spice to the simulation, we could just have it in this very simple way where it's just a count of parasites, not really going anymore. Any, any deeper than that
0: no i think that's a really interesting idea actually bob almost having a noble parasite simulation as well within it and certainly from the stuff that you've added initially that's very doable yeah. but i'll let you continue
1: when i was initially reading about um, noble ape uh, it was initially mentioned that there were these fierce um, felines as well so you would have some sort of relationship between the apes and some other entity and because After just scanning through the code, it it looked like the the felines had been taken out.
0: Around 97 they were removed because they were just too predatory.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but it might be an idea to have some sort of uh, other entity in the simulation where you've got some sort of symbiosis or Mm. some sort of dynamic going on between these two entities, uh, which might add a little bit more dynamics to it. Just carrying on with that, I suppose, uh, if we uh, head on down through the code, you can see that uh, line 394... There's a a tendency to groom depending on how uh, familiar apes are with each other. We're calculating a a sort of grooming probability on line 392, groom prob, which is just a random number. And then checking this on line 396 against a value which is calculated based on the familiarity between the apes. And this is in part based on genetics as well, so you can have a genetic influence which... Indicates whether the apes tend to tend to groom more or less, which might add a, a little bit of interest to, to the, the way that they evolve. In that way, the whole simulation can gravitate towards or settle towards a situation which kind of balances out the, uh, the energy withdrawn from the apes by parasites, so they can find some sort of happy balance between carrying around parasites and uh, spending energy in grooming other apes.
0: Grooming should take some energy in the description that you gave but i was wondering where that energy for grooming is taken from
1: energy for grooming you mean yes at the moment there isn't any explicit okay so that's
0: something to add i guess energy for grooming so that could be because that's the that's the penalty of being a good groomer perhaps that you
1: that's right yeah it could potentially be added as a extra explicit piece of energy but there is a kind of implicit energy that's consumed just because the, the ape is stopping and grooving another ape, True. whereas it could be continuing and, and eating or doing something else. True. So it's kind of implicit in that way, but there could be some explicit energy involved with with doing that. Yes. And as, as far as the energy is concerned, it's uh, if you look at line three seven six, that's where the uh, the uh, the engine is getting sapped by parasites. Yeah. So anyway, just going back to line four o one, this is a little uh, other bit of the stuff that I added uh, which is to do with memories. So it actually adds a memory to each ape that uh, a a grooming incident took place at the current time and the current location. Uh, It just adds, the if you have a look at social memory, what we're adding is uh, B0, which is the pointer to the ape, an event type, event underscore groom. It's 16384 plus 100 I think from memory, I think it's just a um, degree of pleasantness or unpleasantness.
0: Okay, so I wasn't actually, sure about that actually. Reading through it, so is this almost like a, a hierarchy to the to the, or not a hierarchy, but um, not even a probability, but some heightened or lowered state of memory that yeah, you're offering what, here.
1: You could say it's like it's almost like a reinforcement sort of value, whether it's a positive or negative sort of, whether it has positive or negative. Uh, uh, feeling for the ape, you could say. Okay. And we're also just passing the date and time, the gender as well. And also a bit further down, line 411, and uh, also calling the social meet function. I'll have to have a look at that to so remember what that one's about, but I think it's just a, a general function that uh, apes meet and it records the fact that the apes have met.
0: Shall we have a look at social memory and social meat now, just to go through that yeah. stuff? So Sorry, do you want to start with social memory?
1: Yeah, okay, social memory.
0: It's at line so, 60.
1: A, uh, the value that I talked about previously, I don't think, is called effect. Uh, that's just sort of whether the, the incident is like a, has a positive effect or a negative effect. I think it's a it's by-two value. That's why on line 71, we're actually subtracting the 16384. Mm-hmm. 16384 can be considered the zero value. And uh, since this is a, a positive integer, I just set some value which is the um, supposed to be the zero value. So we don't have positive and negative. If I scroll down a little bit to 74, um, what's going on here is between line 76 and 82, what we're doing is we're, um, we're actually fading the, the affect associated with each memory. So all of them are fading towards zero, which in this case is 16384 either by adding if it's a negative effect or subtracting if it's positive And line 83 to 88 is actually not related to that. It's just picking out whether the event which this memory is related to, uh, whether there is an event of the same type within the episodic memory, and if so, it's just keeping a track of that. So you can see line 87, it's just uh, keeping track of the index number of the memory. We go down a bit further we can then see whether it's replaced or not. If it is replaced we look at 104 and then it adds all the information to uh, a new entry within the episodic memory um, indexed by the value calls replace.
0: Do you want to go just through them now go into drives and meet and what have you one by one?
1: Yeah okay so I've got a social meet now I could be argued with that uh, Previous update of the effect that maybe that should be separate from that routine uh, in its own routine, uh, which is updated uh, once per clock cycle. so at the moment the effect is uh, uh, sort of fades every time that routine is called, and it could potentially be called multiple times per cycle. So that's maybe something to do in future. I think take that out, have it in its own routine. So anyway, going back to social meet line two two eight. Here we've got the one being meeting another with the information about the, uh, about the pointer to the being. And we've got the name, pigmentation, belief, and the simulation pointer. Now, the bel- leaf here just, uh, just refers to, usually just refers to the state of the other ape that's being met. So it could be swimming or grooming or doing other things. Eating. Line 246 onwards. Just looking at whether this being's been been met before, so you can see line 255. Then, if the being's been met before, then it just marks it as met equals one, just to indicate and stores the index within the social graph. If the being hasn't been met before, then line 265 onwards. See that it gives it an index, stranger index, which is just the, the maximum index within the social graph array, and have an initial sort of prejudice of whether the, the being that's been met is a friend or foe one way that we define this is just by the similarity of the family name so here we're just doing a check of the uh, line 274, just doing a check of the first and second part of the double-barrelled family name and just adding some value to indicate whether it's uh, friend or foe based on that so if it shares one part of the uh, double-barrelled and we get a bit of friend of a bit of friendliness, you could say, if it shares both the names, and we get double that amount. And we can also bias based on uh, whether you like the look of the other ape that you've just met. So this is where uh, genetics comes into it a little bit with the uh, pigmentation color of the fur of the ape, line 282. So have a sort of value which indicates the the color, you could say. And we're just doing a subtraction between the kind of color that the ape prefers, which at the moment is purely genetic, there's no experience related to that, and the the, ape, the color of the ape that's been met.
0: It would um, be interesting to add experience to that, actually, would, and relatively yes, easy.
1: Yes, it would be. At the moment, there's no experience, but... Uh, one little quote that there is, is that there's a difference between male and female. So you can have sort of a sexual dimorphism, where there's a, a difference in preference for colour between males and females. So I say green males prefer blue females and uh, blue females prefer red males, something like that. It doesn't necessarily have to be symmetric. So uh, line 290, we just uh, adjust the friend or up or down a little bit, depending on that preference. So you could have sort of the... the the origins of uh, some sort of vision-based uh, prejudice against other apes based on uh, fur colour, which over the long term might have some interesting effects. If, you, if uh, One thing I haven't done is, is uh, actually plot out different colours of apes within the population. That might be interesting to have a look at. You might have uh, battles going on between different, different coloured apes, which at the moment I have no idea whether that occurs or not, but it might, conceivably, over time.
0: So in terms of the feedback that I got from the SRI talk, and this is certainly something that I think about quite a bit, is how do we actually take, more importantly, I guess initially, how do I actually take all this information and translate it into something which is trackable? And I know you've had some experience with the web server to do some of that. What's your thinking in terms of how to actually track this stuff?
1: At the moment, the, the stuff that you see within the web server is just purely based within web.c so it's not within the the main body of the code. Possibly you could have uh, some structure which is monitoring various parameters things like parasites and uh, average age of the population
0: It was interesting because I mean certainly I put that out to the mailing list that statistics and internally tracked statistics within universe is probably the next phase as far as I can see
1: You could either have that maybe within the simulation object or just have it within its own statistics objects
0: certainly
1: that Uh, that would definitely be a good idea i think and within the being meet it's just keeping track of the location where the other being was met line 306 just keeping track of the xy coordinates the belief which as i mentioned earlier is usually just the the state of the other ape the time when it was met which comes from the simulation objects level of familiarity and friendliness value whether it's friend or foe so if we're meeting other apes frequently, then uh, line three one eight we're actually incrementing gradually the friend or foe value. So it's if you meet another ape that you initially hostile, but if you if you meet them more frequently, then you might become more friendly towards. It seems like a kind of reasonable sort of heuristic mm-hmm. or overcoming prejudice. You could imagine it as. And that just about covers uh, being meet. All we're doing at the end of being is just referring the returning the the index within the social graph. The graph
0: Array. So we've done the social slightly out of order. Do you want to jump back to social drives, which is at, I think, 120?
1: So the idea of having drives originally comes from ethological studies of animals. But, um, where I first encountered things like drives was in robotics from the work of people like Cynthia Breazeal, trying to simulate emotions of different kinds within her system, which is described in a book called Designing Sociable Robots. I think she had a, a three-dimensional System. I forget exactly what the dimensions were, I think there were things like valence and stunts. So that's kind of where I got the, the idea from, that you might have certain basic drives, which the being is trying to maintain within some homeostatic regime, within an acceptable tolerance. So what I've done is I've added a few drives. Uh, we've got hunger, how hungry the, the ape is, uh, a social drive, which originally, from my perspective anyway, Comes from uh, social drive from uh, the MIT stuff, Cynthia Briaziel stuff. You might have a a drive where if you haven't met other beings for a while, you become kind of lonely and you might want to sort of have a social drive which encourages the being to meet up with other beings. A sex drive, fairly self explanatory, I suppose, Mm -hmm. if you don't reproduce, you eventually die out and uh, your genes will be lost, so there's a fair bit of code associated with that. And fatigue as well, so just uh, you might want to minimise the amount of uh, excessive energy expenditure to try and survive as long as you possibly can, and uh, surviving as long as you can means more opportunities to mate and more opportunities to pass on your genes. So if I have a look in more detail at the the code behind those, uh, on hunger, line three one thirty. There, we're just looking at just gradually incrementing the the level of hunger. Line one three two. and related to sex drive, which I'm not sure I remember. Something's related. To that. Maybe it's to do with a clash between hunger and sex, something like that.
0: Well, maybe when when the ape is more hungry, the sex drive drops down, basically.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think I put that in because. Uh, they tend to spend a lot of their time feeding. Otherwise, they, they otherwise they, they don't tend to mate very often. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I think that's, that's why. So if there's, if there's uh, quite a high sex drive, then that tends to inhibit the drive towards uh,
0: hunger. So is the potential within this drive's dynamic that it will actually work against the underlying biology? I mean, the previous coding of, of Noble Ape had hunger, meaning the... Meaning literally an energy level where the apes stopped to eat. But what right. you seem to be adding here as well is an additional dynamic where an That's oversexed right. ape may actually potentially starve to death because they don't care about eating anymore.
1: Well, potentially, I suppose maybe that could happen. But I think the way that it's set up at the moment is sufficient so that they uh they tend to eat often enough,
0: hmm. at least. What additional drives would you like to, or could you see being added? Because, I mean, this seems like a a small number of possible drives. Have you thought of any other drives?
1: Not that immediately come to mind, but I suppose there could be other drives. Hmm. Um, I suppose you could diversify the, uh, the social drive into things like other aspects of communication. So you might have drive for certain types of communication or certain types of sociality.
0: Well, you have, you have the concept of alpha, and that in itself could be a drive.
1: Yes, it could be potentially. I mean, each ape doesn't really know who the, the alpha ape is, the alpha female or the alpha male. They they only uh, kind of look at each other's honour value uh, locally. But potentially there could be something which is a bit more global, maybe, where each ape knows who the alpha male and who the alpha female is. Maybe there's, there's some drive related to that
0: i was thinking almost more that it could be an internal drive associated with it wouldn't yeah you're right the alpha is very much described as a as a unique entity whereas i guess what i'm thinking of is notions of gregariousness i'm trying to think of how that would actually but certainly yeah there there seem to be other drive options and the way that Mm -hmm. they're mapped will be will be very interesting I'll, i'll let you continue through the code
1: so at the moment, you could say that the simulation knows who is alpha male and alpha female, but the individual apes have no idea. Mm. They're not They're not uh, at that level of organisation at the moment. Uh, although they do have a social graph and they have uh, degrees of friendliness between other apes that they're familiar with.
0: Do you want to talk more about social drive, or do you want to move on to social network?
1: We could move on to social network, I suppose.
0: OK, 327.
1: So this is quite a short little... Uh, Function. What we're doing here is just having a look at the getting the pigmentation preference from the genetics, line 339 or 341, and then we're passing that into social meat. I forget the reason why I separated out being meat from social network, but they're basically doing the same kind of thing, social network is just a, a wrapper around being meat, really. It's no doubt because being meat needs to be called in different kinds of situations from uh, from the social network thing. So that's that's a pretty short function, really. It's really just a wrapper.
0: So we've looked at social groom, I believe. What have we got left? Social squabble, at four fifty.
1: Okay, squabbling. Within within social squabble, we're having a look at the um, the difference in locations between the two two apes. One one of the apes is uh, same underscore being, and the other one is local. And apes tend to squabble if they're from different families. So line 463, you can see we're doing a check on the family names. If the name is the same, then uh, much less likely to squabble. So line 466, going beyond that, we're actually turning towards the ape that you want to squabble with, or potentially squabble with. We're getting an aggression value which is purely from the genetics. Line 471. And we're doing a little bit of uh, jiggery pokery, line 472, just to make (laughs) females a little bit less aggressive than males. Potentially, the aggression value could be uh, diversified a little bit within the genetics. So, like the pigmentation preference, you could have a, a separate gene for male aggression or female aggression, but at the moment it's just one single aggression value within the genetics. We're just kind of tweaking it here, 473, 474, to reduce it a little bit for females. Uh, Line 474, uh, we're just getting a random value and then uh, comparing it with a calculated value to see whether uh, we want to scrobble or not. A sort of pseudo-random squabbling. And then we get into the fight, uh, line 477, looking at uh, who is the, the victor and who is the vanquished. Do a bit of a calculation, line 481, comparing, we're doing, uh, multiplying the energy for the two competence by some random value, and based on that just deciding who is the winner. So you can see by default, the victor is uh, the local being line 477, but if that condition is true, then line 483, the victor is the the, the opposite being, same underscore being. Then if we go down a little bit further, and this is probably why I separated out the social network from, from social meet, uh, line 489. You can see that the social, social meet function is called for the uh, victor and the, the vanquished, and the, the reason for that is so that we can add a, uh, an event to the episodic memory saying that we had a fight with another ape at a certain time in a certain location, and you can see that being added as as well, line 403, social mem- social underscore memory. Going down a bit further, line 515, here we ju- adjust the friend or foe value, depending on who won the battle, so if you uh, fight against somebody and you lose, you're going to be less well disposed to them than you were previously, so you can see that's line 517 reducing the friend and foe value a little bit
0: bob in terms of the actual friend and foe value i remember the 40 number associated with one shared component of the family name have you thought in terms of these numbers about what they actually mean so when you say 20 here do you have a sense of the kind of quantization
1: these these values added are really um, uh, they're just uh, sort of hand-coded values they're not really coming from anywhere uh, I think in this case the friend or fur value is a, it's a, either a byte or it's a, a double byte. So it doesn't really matter how much is added or subtracted from that, as long as it's within the, a suitable range, I suppose. But potentially these, these hard-coded values could be genetic or they could be modified by experience or something like that, potentially, mm. to make it a little bit more interesting, if that's what you're thinking of.
0: Yes, I was thinking that, I mean, I try to get a sense of quantizing values through the simulation. And you've had a lot of values that don't seem to implicitly uh, have any degree of quantization. But as you say, if this is something that can be defined through you know future runs of the simulation or as we start generating vast quantities of statistics and then exploring these statistics and then scaling oh. accordingly, I'm more than happy to do that. My aim is really to turn a lot of these into named constants.
1: Yes, they could be either constants, or, as I mentioned previously, there could be maybe adjustable from experience or come from the genetics.
0: Hmm.
1: Might be might might be quite interesting to add it to the genetics to, see what happens. But uh, as we get more detail on the statistics of it and uh, be able to do more analysis, be able to see whether what sort of extent, what sort of um, effects these, these values have, and tweak around with them. Certainly. So I mean just describing the code like this or all of these things could be potentially graphed in a server or within a separate structure. you probably get some interesting stuff over time. So heading on down the code actually just going back to that victor and vanquished stuff that I was looking at previously I think it's the case that if you're the victor okay if, if you're the victor you disrespect the vanquished if you're the vanquished you respect the victor. So that's that's the situation with that. I think hmm. previously described it wrongly, which yeah. seems kind of seems like it ought to make sense anyway.
0: But that's kind of interesting. It, you you respect the you respect the person that's beating you, I guess. It's I mean, yeah. Right.
1: <laughs> yeah. Potentially, if the, if those were attached to the genetics, then it doesn't necessarily have to be like that. It could be that over time, if the dynamics of it works out, it might be that you disrespect the person who was beating you. It might be that the you know, polarity is reversed or something like that
0: or even more curiously
1: ju- I suppose that you could say that these hard-coded values just come from my own prejudices <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's not just i mean both values could be reversed in a very curious way that you actually gain more i mean there could be apes that as they brutalize the other ape they gain more respect for them as well so
1: it could be yeah it could be absolutely yes yeah.
0: almost like being jumped into a street gang really that you know yeah. you have to have this amount of violence then will give you respect
1: uh, and the more you think about it the more interesting it could get especially if you add it to the genetics because then you could have like subcultures <laughs> which have certain particular kinds of values towards beating up other rapes and <laughs> others that be more passive and more peaceful.
0: Yes, very interesting. Anyway, I'll let you continue.
1: Just carrying on, uh, line 530. Okay, here we're just adjusting the... We're in addition to the friend or foe values, we're also adjusting the honour value. So if you're, the, uh, if you're the victor, you gain a little bit of honour. If you're the vanquished, you lose a bit of honour, which is kind of similar to the idea of social status. And I, and again, the same could apply for incrementing or decrementing the honor value, as it applies to the friend or foe value. And it would be interesting if, if those were also genetic. Continuing down, find five, 534. Uh, if we're sufficiently far apart, then... Okay, if we're quite close, uh, and we're in a fight that's uh, quite grisly, then uh, we're decrementing it. A fair amount of energy from each ape, both from the victor and the vanquished. It's line five three six five three seven.
0: So the but the upper code is more like kind of chest beating, isn't it? It's like two apes coming together, not right. actually this, coming to blows.
1: So this, this first condition, line 534 to 540, if we're spaced some distance apart, then, it's, then it is like chest beating. But if we're going to the other part, 542 to 550, then it's a more vicious attack and you lose more energy. It's more of a fist fight. And also, a, a little, uh, little tweak of the code, line 546 to 550, five, depending on who won the fight, we're actually swapping their social status. Uh, and the reason why I did this is uh, it adds a little bit more interest in that if you're a low-status uh, individual and you take on a really high-status high individual, you can potentially uh, sort of leapfrog up the uh, status hierarchy to the top of the heap uh, so that there is some potentially some uh, benefit to be had some advantage to be had from uh, maybe taking on the hierarchy of low ranking individuals again potentially that could uh, also be subject to genetics hmm. there could be uh, maybe just an on and off switch for that within the genetics or something like that
0: the idea of honor in an abstract sense here is very interesting bob because as you say with regards to the alpha male this is something that the simulation knows about but the apes themselves don't actually know about and this notion of honor sorry that's right yes this notion of honor really doesn't have a because you could have almost um i mean you could have multiple systems of honor that different apes used and were unrecognized by other groups of apes so it's an interesting I think probably what it'll lead into is these kind of dynamics that you almost have orthogonal honour systems in many dimensions amongst many different... Yeah,
1: uh, at the moment it's just purely one-dimensional, but yes, as you say, it could be multi-dimensional. It could be uh, multiple uh, types of honour, uh, which are more refined and maybe associated with the genetics as well. Certain beings recognise certain types of honour and others don't. It's a it's a pretty abstract value at the moment, and apes can detect each other's honour, but... Um, as I mentioned earlier, they don't, they don't have any concept really of uh, alpha males or alpha females. That's only something that the simulation recognises. So that just about covers it for that, I think, for, being, for social squabble.
0: So just the, the fleeing point, um, there's no change of direction. It's almost like they run past <laughs> the... Uh
1: potentially <laughs> there could be change of direction that would add something to it i suppose
0: but it's almost so, like in humiliation they run past their victor as fast as possible I guess.
1: <laughs> yes they just try and get away as quickly as possible and you could say uh, that a lot of these said behaviors are just really just coming from my own assumptions about uh how primitive societies work they, they yeah. might not
0: be uh, my only point of concern with that would be that the victor may have a posse behind uh behind (laughs) it and they may just run into the next wave of humiliation basically but no that would be an interesting dynamic anyway i'll
1: let you continue uh, yeah so i think um, a lot of these things could get a lot more interesting and if these hard-coded values were actually in some way inserted into the genetics
0: then
1: you could have more interesting types of behaviors which aren't just purely coinciding with my parochial view of what supremacist society should be or should be like
0: Certainly. So, social eat, I think, was next on the, uh, the food chain, yep. so to speak.
1: So, uh, eating is fairly important for gaining energy. And what we're doing here, we're testing uh, what type of land the, the ape is sitting on. So, if we're above the, the watermark, which is being tested on line 581, and we have a look at the, what type of land we're on. So, we're looking for grass, trees, and bushes. And here, we're just uh, using the land operator to test what type of land is there. And then based on what type of land the ape is sitting on, we can increment the, the energy accordingly. So lines five nine four to six oh six, we're just keeping track of the type of the type of energy which can be acquired acquired uh, energy underscore grass, any uh, underscore bush, any energy underscore fruit. And if we're in the intertidal zone, which is close to the water line, this is something that I also added into the land operator, um, just to make it a little bit more interesting. We can also have seaweed or rock pools or beaches, and also we can uh, increment the energy based on it as well, so seaweed might have a certain amount of energy associated with it, which is consumable. And going down a little bit further, line 632 onwards, we can then um, uh, uh, calculate an absorption value, which is coming from the genetics. So we can have absorptions for different types of food. So you can imagine this as kind of the the ape's metabolism and how well it can absorb energy from certain different types of food based on its metabolism.
0: The genetic response in all of these is from zero to seven, isn't it? Am I right on that?
1: I think it is, yeah. Yeah, I think it is.
0: I I had some concerns. Um, There was one issue that I fixed with regards to I think they were slowing to eat almost instantly when the energy went below a graph, and it was based on the fact that the genetic spread actually needed something different from zero to seven. It needed something like four to, you know, what, what have you. I mean, there needed to be some additive right. part. And I think for some of these things, I mean, I guess zero, zero in this case, what does it mean that it just doesn't absorb any of the energy? That's or right. Actually, there's a, there's a one there, sorry.
1: It means it's essentially intolerant of it, you could say. Yeah. Or it gains no, gains no nutrition from it.
0: Yes. It would be curious to even have allergies in here as well, but maybe the zero <laughs> case may be allergies or poisoning.
1: In the case of allergies or poisoning, you could maybe say that. Uh, could maybe just make the absorption negative, perhaps. Yeah. Because then that's actually reducing the energy of the egg rather than gaining.
0: They'd need some feedback, however, in terms of um, maybe having an experience. Is there any kind of. Uh, So there's a social memory uh, eating event that comes on afterwards, and what would be be interesting is not just having the energy pass through, but having the absorption probably pass through, so they had some memory that they... It's it's interesting because you're really here describing the enjoyment of eating, which doesn't necessarily have to have any factor associated with the absorption but you'd need some means of reinforcing um, right. epigenetically almost um the enjoyment of food maybe that could be passed on from families through families and these kind of things as well Yes, yeah. yeah. that'll
1: be quite interesting to do and if you have a look at the third parameter of social memory that's the the affect value and here we're just using the energy value which is coming from the absorption and using that as the affect So potentially, in a situation where uh, a certain type of food was poisonous or they were allergic to a certain type of food, if the absorption value was negative, then you would have a negative affect going into the social memory and maybe potentially could learn to avoid that food or something like that. Although that's not implemented at the moment. Maybe something for the future.
0: Mm. Very good. We come down to social mate.
1: Yep, okay, so social mates. Uh, First I think. First thing in social mate, we're looking at the uh, the sex drives and looking at whether they exceed a particular value. Uh, In this case, 100. I think that's just a purely arbitrary value that I picked out. In order for two beings to mate, they've got to have a sex drive which is higher than a certain level. Otherwise, they're not interested. Going on to 690, we're then looking at the family names of the two apes, um, so that we can avoid uh, having apes from the same family mating. That's just purely hard-coded at the moment. Maybe it potentially could have some genetic basis or be
0: related to experience or something like that. Yeah, that's an interesting one, actually, because um, there are...
1: Well, it's, it's an interesting question. How, how do beings avoid incest?
0: Yeah. Well, the typical descriptors that I've heard is that there are, the, there are things that we pick up in terms of um, immune system um, feedback. So for right. example I mean my wife and I actually this is we complete aside this is this is stone age <laughs> versus uh, versus eight reality but right. we have completely opposite immune systems and oh, a- you become I've heard that basically people that you can establish through a variety of factors that you're not immediately conscious of the uh, the immune system of your partner just through subtle placement smells pheromones these kind of things right. and it is quite curious that you can actually pick up this information through things that you're not immediately uh, aware of and it would be interesting actually if they yeah moving would be from being hard-coded into something that was more ethereal but could uh, could show some yeah. interesting stuff yeah. yeah one thing
1: that you mentioned but which isn't included at the moment is is things like pheromones one thing that i've heard in the past is that uh, a way of avoiding incest is that you tend to not mate with beings that you grew up with or were familiar with within your early sort of formative years, um, and it could be that during your formative years you just become sort of acclimatized to a certain pheromone, which is associated with the genetics of your uh, sort of uh, close relations, and so when you're mating with other other beings, you tend to go for other beings which have a substantially different type of pheromone.
0: Mm. Yeah, no, I think this would be interesting to uh, to represent. I don't think you'd even need specific ferrovines because you could just say that it was represented through aspects of the genetics, but then you could yeah. have genetic toning on that. So lots of possibilities here, Bob. Anyway, I'll let you continue. Sorry, this was an aside. Yes,
1: OK. Uh, so, OK, continuing on line 697. Here we're calculating a, we're looking at the probability of mating and we're just basing it on got of mating probability... Uh, constant, mating underscore prop uh, we're, we're biasing it based on the honour value of the, the other ape, so B1 honour, so that the, the purpose of that is just to uh, sort of bias it in the direction where you tend to mate with, well there's a higher chance of you mating with beings if they have a, a higher social status which kind of seems to at least fits with my own uh, understanding of how uh, societies kind of tend to work anyway but well, because that's, that's genetic, it could be all over the shop. So uh, it's uh, really down to the dynamics of the, the whole simulation, whether that's a relevant factor or not, I suppose. Going down a little bit further, we we'll just increment the attraction value between the two two apes. So it's got past one level of, uh, well, it's got past a couple of levels of uh, conditions. So we we'll just, you can see line 694 and line 703. Every time it gets past a condition, we're just incrementing this attraction value. So you can say the more conditions it passes, the more attractive the other ape is. Then, if you go to line seven o eight, um, we're now looking at uh, uh, visual appearance. So this is um, based on the pigmentation preference, calculating a pigmentation preference, and then go to condition line seven two three, which is just comparing the preference values p p diff. So we just subtract the preference value, the genetic pre- uh, preference from the the actual color to get the difference. And then once we've passed line 723, uh, as long as we're in the right sort of range, there is a, a condition there on 723. If p pref is smaller than eight, then it doesn't actually care about the pigmentation at all. So it will mate with any uh, ape regardless of color. So it can decide. Uh, the genetics can effectively decide whether colour matters or not, and to what extent it matters. Uh, again, we're incrementing the attraction on 726, and then we've also got a, a condition 729, we've got a pair bond threshold. So if the attraction value is above a certain threshold, then we continue on and eventually, hopefully, mate. And so what might happen in cases here is that you might have multiple instances where social mate is called, but mating doesn't actually occur, but the attraction value is incremented nonetheless, and In once it reaches a certain threshold, then we've got to a certain level where the, the pair bond is strong enough uh, for mating to occur.
0: And the interesting dynamic is this is being done with two separate apes being calculated with two separate instances of the function, and the only way that it gets to uh, actually conception is is the being female
1: the attraction does need to be uh, largely mutual, I think, for the, for mating to be successful.
0: Yeah, there are lots of interesting dynamics in here, though, Bob. That I think will oh, yes, need to be yes. tracked in the future.
1: Yes, I agree. Yes, so we're for a sufficiently close line three seven three three, and uh, being is of the opposite sex, look, it's female. This is male mating with a female, and we're checking the um, the last conception date of a female. Um, to make sure that they're receptive to mating. Now we can proceed on to line 736. Here we actually here the female actually conceives. So we're keeping track of the conception date, which is today, um, storing the ID of the father, and the father's honor value, which is important for social status, because uh, social status can be inherited in this case. Uh, keeping track of the name of the father, family name of the father, and also the genetics of the father are being stored so that we can do the natural genetics function with the crossover and and so on. Uh, We set the the state of the being to reproducing, line 749, and reduce the sex tribe back to zero so that we're not in a continual state of of mating. Uh, And we also uh, set the goal of the being to to null, beings can have some sort of goal Uh, it's fairly limited at the moment to sort of seeking out other beings. That's about the extent of it at the moment. I don't think uh, beings have any other goals at the moment, other than maybe looking for other beings or perhaps searching for food, something like that. So that effectively, line 752 effectively terminates the goal if it was looking for a mate. And we also keep track of the... we also keep track of a memory of, of mating. Line 755 and 761. So we're doing that for, for both the beings, B0 and B1. And if we go down a little bit further, line 733, you can see that if the conditions weren't met, they are actually decrementing the attraction value. So 774 and 780, reducing the attraction. And heading on to 783, and just keeping track of the attraction value, and the attraction value is smaller than a certain trying to figure out what this, this particular bit of code is doing. And we're just doing incrementing Okay, that's the, the final bit where we actually add the attraction value down at 797. So we're actually just calculating some attraction value called attract, and then eventually adding it, or setting it at 797. And there's a bit of uh, legacy stuff here, if we have a look at 801 yes. addition with <laughs> 801 and um, If the uh, if this stuff isn't enabled if social isn't on social underscore on isn't enabled then we just mate immediately regardless which is the the old that style mating <laughs> yes
0: which uh, if
1: you're doing a simple simulation you might want to keep that conceivably
0: yeah it's interesting actually in terms of what to is this yeah what what is maintained going on because I think as as the graphing and the statistics and all this kind of stuff comes through then um, it, it will be a, a very different simulation in terms of how it's interacted with and I think the simple simulation will probably fade away through that it and might, the but I, can imagine,
1: I can imagine circumstances under which you might want to keep a, a simple yeah. type of meeting. You might be interested in other factors yeah
0: so. so moving on to social chat
1: social chat so one thing that the apes do do is they, uh, they talk to each other occasionally um, this is related to the, uh, the sociality drive. So, apes tend to talk to each other if they're, they're friendly, so you can see line 832, where uh, comparing the, the friend or foe value to um, uh, a social respect constant, saying it's gotta be greater than some threshold to talk to other apes. Are we interested in their views or not? It's hard coded, potentially could be uh, genetic or learned, potentially. But, uh, at the moment, just one constant value. Uh, we're storing a memory of the, the chat, line 835. Um...
0: So, Bob, a question. In terms of the social memory giving feedback, what we're doing yeah. currently is just collecting the fact that particular apes talk to other apes over long That's periods right. of time. Yeah. Um, is, are they actually Do they add anything in terms of Oh yes, they do add on a friend and foe Okay, So there is some feedback right. in that yes. Okay. Yes.
1: There is some relation there yes.
0: I'll let you continue, sorry I got ahead of myself it's,
1: uh, it's not massively um, sophisticated at the moment It's uh, fairly simple So it could potentially be more elaborate So uh, line 8 for 1 so we're just looking at the goal of the... If, if the goal isn't to mate, and uh, we're just choosing randomly. We're choosing an index. Reminding myself what this code means. Okay, so if two apes meet, and we have a goal to find a particular uh, other ape, uh, if we have no goal, and we're just choosing randomly. But if we have a, a particular goal ape that we're looking for, we um, can actually search through the social graph for that particular ape, line 847. So we're just looping through the social graph there, looking for that the index of the ape that we're interested in. But if not, we're just choosing randomly. Checking whether we've met that ape before, 861. If we have made, met the ape before, in other words, if it's within the social graph and we break out of that loop, we use the index value for that loop in the next condition, 872. Uh, social size is the maximum size of the social graph, so it's the maximum array size. So, if we have met the, the other eight before, then we're looking at the honour values 8, 7, 1. Is the eight that we've met higher or lower status? And if they're higher status, then we might, uh, we're aligning our uh, friendliness with them. If they're the lower status, then we're becoming less friendly during chatting. Uh, the main reason for, for that is just to uh, allow information to flow between networks of uh, sort of friendly apes. I suppose, in other words, if you're less friendly towards a, an ape, you're less likely to chat with them, uh, less likely to convey information one or to another. Eight eight five, keeping track of the location and the belief, which is just the state of the ape, timestamp as well, and set the speaking state. 895. Now if we haven't met before, then we create a new entry in the social graph. So line 9, 901 onwards. Uh, we're, we're looking for the least familiar other ape, and then we're going to replace that with the, the ape that we've just met. So it'll just nat- naturally tend to forget apes that it's not very familiar with over time. i replace those with uh, recent meetings. So you can see line 910 We just replace
0: the uh, police familiar rape there have you tracked any of this information through the the web server
1: I haven't actually at the moment really no it would be interesting to do that it would be a dimension worth tracking probably
0: yeah
1: one thing that you can see on the web server there is a list of the the episodic memory so you can see that an ape has met another ape at a certain time and so on but there's no real tracking of that over time there's no tracking over the population either
0: how you'd actually describe that graphically is a very interesting problem.
1: It, well, yes, it might be tricky. Yeah. Yeah. You might think of uh, describing it as a matrix or something like that.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think of it in terms of a dot cloud, that basically you have dot clouds with interlinking relationships, and as you get more tight connections of the dots, they form tighter clusters, which is typically Maybe. the way these things are visualised. But my, yeah, my interest with regards to getting all the statistical information is then having um, very similar to, well, the spatiality of the cognitive simulation, but a cloud formation with uh, text and lines and ability to actually navigate around this as well and track this information as it, as it actively happens. But it is yeah. an interesting visualization problem.
1: It is, yeah, yeah. The simplest type of visualization that I can think of would be a matrix where you just have number of apes. By a number of apes in two dimensions, hmm. and you just uh, a bit flipped depending on whether ape one ape speaks to another. So you just have a sort of a monochrome representation of who speaks to who. Yeah. Uh, but the kind of uh, representation you describe describing would be more sophisticated and probably more interesting.
0: I think so, but no, you you're right. Yours is the uh, the simplest possible social goals.
1: Right. Okay. So as I mentioned before, apes can have goals. They're only very simple at the moment, and the only type of goal that they have is really to uh, um, find another ape or go to a, another location. Uh, so this is this is in fact dealing with moving to a location. So you can see that the ape, the, um, the the being structure has a, a goal parameter, and it's extracting that line 939, and then looking at If it happens to be a location-type goal, um, we're looking at the difference between the current location and the target location. Line 943, 944. And then we're turning towards um, the goal location. Line 945. That's pretty pretty simple, really. And line 950 to uh, 957. Uh, this is just checking whether we've reached the destination or not, whether we're within a reasonable radius of the goal location. And if we are, then we just set the goal to, to non, goal in the non, like 955. So that's really pretty simple for goals. Potentially, uh, apes could have other, other goals. Uh, I don't know if you can think of any uh, that might be useful.
0: Um, you could have a periodic uh familial gatherings you could have various rituals or these kind of things that could come together i think there are a wide variety of seasonal or potentially um i mean for example it would be to do with various feeding things i mean if there was modeling of fish or things like that then the seasons affect that and there are a wide variety of things that actually could be put in as goals even for example um various uh birth Rituals, or um, a variety of things. I mean, if you know the kind of gathering of, of tribes yeah. around birth rituals or these kind of things. So,
1: I think all of the above, really. Yes. Yeah. You know.
0: A wide variety of possible goals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> So Bob, um, this has been this has been wonderful. I I think we'll probably need to get you back on to do uh, some kind of overview. Although the, the complexity of this has been relatively great, but the the web server implementation is considerably more complicated so maybe in the next version of the source uh when when some of the things that we've talked about have been answered in a kind of fuller form maybe we'll have you back on Aprility reality to talk a little bit more about the web server is there anything right. else that you'd like to to talk about within the universe directory before we uh we conclude this extended Aprility? reality
1: um, i don't think so i think i'd just say uh in addition to the um uh, the social aspect, uh, goals, drives, things like that. Uh, probably the, the two main other areas that I looked at were the, the land operator um, and also the, the web side of it, the, uh, the web server side, web.c.
0: Terrific. So I'll
1: probably cover those in another podcast maybe at some other time.
0: Very good, very good. Yes, I think you've given, just in terms of the density of information, there's been a lot that's been passed on, and I know yeah. I've had feedback from various listeners that have, through uh, previous uh, source walkthroughs, gone through uh, Ed Parallel and gotten a lot of feedback, even people that haven't had the source code in front of them that have gotten a lot from it, and I think this will be uh, one of those. So, Bob, I'd, I'd like to thank you for uh, for chatting today on, on Ape Reality. It's always a pleasure. Uh, no look forward to having you back on shortly thank you very much bye tom see you